It's good to be with you guys. And because I am up front, I get to do some things that normally don't happen. So uh, I'd like to introduce uh, my mom and dad are here from uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. They're sitting in the center. If you don't like the message today, you can blame them. And if you like it, you can thank me. So, no. Now, they got caught into the, uh, the whole traveling from Chicago. I heard there was a bunch of tornadoes, tornadoes and different things that were causing delays. And the uh, team from Israel had to stay in Chicago, what, 14 hours? Is that right? The people that were coming back from Israel got delayed in Chicago for a time. So, well, we went out camping this weekend trying, you know, we try to get a, a good start to the summer. So we decided, hey, you know, we got to go camping and make sure we got our checklist and make sure everything's right. And we got out to Horse Thief and, uh, you know, we couldn't find all our sleeping bags. And we had a couple blankets and different things like that. And it got about 20 degrees. Boy, it was cold. But uh, on the way back, um, the kids, um, as we're driving back, the kids were saying this. Uh, you guys seen the bee movie? I've seen the it's called the bee movie. Uh, the little bees looking through his closet and he's going black and yellow. Oh, he's going yellow, black, yellow, black, yellow, black, yellow, black. He goes, hey, black and yellow. We're going to shake things up a bit. Um, we're going to shake things up just a little bit, not too much. So the elders are OK with that. But uh, but I think Don was probably dancing and clapping to that last song in the back. Right, Don? Yeah. Chris, if you could if you could hold him down back there, he's just kind of getting out of hand. We're going to um, is Bill Baumgartner here. Are we missing? Oh, there you are. It's right there. Uh, we're going to uh, read God's word four times this morning. Um, and we want, we're going to instruct you to do a couple things. And so the first time, I just want you to hear it, hear the word of God and let it marinate in your heart a little bit. A little junior higher came up with that phraseology. Let it marinate in your heart. Um, and then we're going to read it a second time. I'm going to ask you to say to think about what is God speaking to you? And then we're going to read it a, fourth, a third time and going to say, how is God challenging you? And then we're going to read it a fourth time and say, what out of this can you share with somebody else of what you're learning? So Bill's going to start us off. Uh, don't open your Bibles because I've um, it's a combination between NIV and uh, New American Standard. So if you would do me a favor, just uh, if your eyes are not already closed because you're tired, uh, would you go ahead and close your eyes and listen to the word of God? Reading from Isaiah 30, uh, verses 18 through 21. Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him. O people in Zion, inhabitant in Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of adversity and water of affliction, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it whenever you turn to the right or to the left. What I'd like you to do is if you'd open up your bulletin, if you have a bulletin, open up to the section where you can take notes. And we're going to read the same passage again. And what I'd like you to do is write down 
What is God speaking to you out of this passage? You've heard it once. Now, what is God speaking to you out of this passage? Or what do you hear him say? What's striking to you? Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him. O people in Zion, inhabitant in Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of adversity and water of affliction, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it whenever you turn to the right or to the left. Just take a moment and write down. What, is, what do you hear out of that passage? As we read the passage again, what I'd like you to think about is, what is God challenging you? Maybe some of your thoughts about who God is or some truth that's speaking about who he is. How is God challenging you in this passage? Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. And therefore, he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him. O people of Zion, inhabitant in Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of adversity and water of affliction, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right or to the left. So we read it uh, one more time. Again, just let it marinate in your soul. Hear the words. And think about something you could tell someone else about what you've heard. Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. And therefore, he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him. O people in Zion, inhabitants in Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of adversity and water of affliction, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it whenever you turn to the right or to the left. Now to mix it up a little bit more, what I'd like you to do is to Uh, turn to the person to the right or to the left of you, and uh, maybe it's somebody you know, somebody you don't know, and share with them what God is speaking to you through this passage. How does he just challenge you with? Uh, Just kind of like a little body life, try to get to know some people, say, hey, this is what God told me or shared with me 
as we read that passage, okay? So I'm going to give you two minutes to do that, so turn to your neighbor and just talk to them about what you hear God saying. And to kind of mix things up a little bit more, if I can do that, which I'm up front, and unless they pull me off stage, um, we're going to have some people with roving microphones, and we're going to start over on this side, but we want you to share with the body what God is speaking to you. How is he challenging you? Maybe something that he's brought to your mind. Maybe some challenges that have uh, that this passage has addressed. So we're going to start on my left, your right, and uh, kind of move across. And so we're going to have some people with mics. If you'd like to share, you can either one, raise your hand and uh, somebody will hand you a microphone. Just tell us your name and what you want to share. The other way you could share is you could say, you know what, I really don't want to have a microphone. So you could tell your neighbor, hey, can you share this for me and then put them on the spot? <laughs> so uh, you could do it either way. I- I'm OK with both of them. So we're going to start over on this side of the uh, sanctanasium, um, it's, you know, the special word for the whatever this place is that we're in. So just go ahead and stand up and state your name and maybe something that God's challenging you with this passage. Um, my name is Megan, and um, I think he's just challenging us to, like, believe in him through, like, rough times. And no matter what, he'll always be with us, even though he's already given us the tools for life. Thank you, Megan. Thank you very much. Somebody in the middle section? Yeah, right down here. Hi, I'm, uh, whoa, hot mic. Jerry Vinigan. Uh, this reminded me of the book, The Shack, I, which I just finished. I don't know how many of you have read that, but I highly recommend it. What's the name of the book again? The Shack. The Shack. And, it's, um, and it talks about uh, God wanting a relationship with us. And... Uh, this passage talks about him waiting and, and uh, teaching and wanting to be in a relationship with us. And I think that should be our number one priority. Yeah. And his longing. Okay, kind of moving to this middle section here. Anybody? Anybody? Okay, Stephanie up front here. And then we'll be in the back. But I can't stand up because I get too nervous. So um, That's okay. Um, just the whole, from the moment he read this passage, just the longing to share the words with someone. And I remember just recently hoping that God's grace would touch someone in my life. And so just, it was really challenged at me that, um, you know, that verse that says in here that the Lord longs to be gracious to us. And so just that challenge that we would share him with others and that God's longing would be met. Mm-hmm. His longing. And then back in the back. I'm Gay Poole. I just returned from Zion and Jerusalem. It hasn't even been most likely 72 hours since my forehead touched the wailing wall as I prayed for family, um, my spouse. And I didn't name each one of you individually, but you are my family. And when you've had a chance to actually walk and been somewhere that you keep reading about all your life in the Bible, it, um, it has a very sobering effect. And, and I felt very sobered by the trip, being privileged to see where he had called his disciples and all. Mm. But um, I realized he's challenging me and waiting for me to serve him. He's taking care of me. Now I need to reach out more to those around me. Thank you. Kind of in this section over here, somebody over here. 
Hi, I'm Tisha Grant, and I have just had the privilege of spending the last 12 days with um, my best friend who is going through chemotherapy uh, for cancer. The prayer this morning was very appropriate. And um, God just reminded me, as soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden from you no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. And uh, I had the privilege of sleepless nights with steroids, praying over my friend until she fell asleep. Um, And I had the privilege of praying for her when she was about to jump out of her skin, having to go through chemotherapy, and God let her go to sleep the entire time, and she woke up right before it was over. And just the precious reminder that he is always there, and he is always willing to answer. And I'm just, thank you. Thank you for, this is one of my favorite patches, passages. I've had it underlined forever. It's a good passage. Somebody in uh, the left-hand side over here. This passage says to me, Marilyn, I love you, and you can trust me. So will you come to me with all of your concerns, and I will bless you and guide you. On your right and on your left. Bart? I'm Bart Chafee, and I guess the one thing that has struck me as I've looked through God's word, and it's here, here, here again. It says, and your, my version says, and your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left, and I think it reminds me of the various passages that says, if you will seek me, I will let you find him. If you forsake me, then he'll forsake you. As far as the fact. That if you walk according to God's word, then he's going to guide you. He's going to be behind you, and you know where you're going. And that's a piece that passes understanding. It does. It does. Okay, about one more. Somebody on the far side over here we got in the back. Uh, My name is Karen Morgan. Um, I really relate to the bread of, of adversity and the water of affliction. And I keep waiting for the menu to change. And every day or month it seems like that's what we're doing down here in life um but what god said to me is that he allows us adversity to help build our longing for him and it says those who long for him are blessed so the affliction is a blessing because it does pull me to him and make me long for him and that in itself is a blessing. Yeah. And the other is just, that, am I listening? You know, he longs to do these things, but am I listening? Am I waiting? Hmm. I don't wait well. Thank you. Yeah, there was a gal in the first service that shared that uh, she really didn't have this picture of God that we read about. Her picture of God was one who is angry and condemning and ready to pounce on her every time she makes a mistake. It wasn't this God who longs to enter in, longs to be gracious and merciful and willing to embrace. But the reality is that as we read this passage, we have to know the context. We can't just read it and say, well, this sounds wonderful. It is, it is news of hope. It's news of joy. But it even gets more beautiful as we read about the situation that the tribe, uh, the, that Judah, the nation of Judah was in, 
as God spoke these words into their lives. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 30, we're going to quickly skim through um, chapter 30. We're not going to cover all of it, but we're going to cover most of it so that you get a picture of what are the... What is the, the nation of Judah? What, what is their activity at the moment? And how does God respond to that? Um, if you don't know the history a little bit, uh, basically God uh, took his people away from Egypt. This is back when we studied the book of Exodus. Uh, the, the Israelites were enslaved to Egypt. God took them out of Egypt. He took them into the land, the promised land. And uh, eventually they said, we want a king like everybody else. We want a king that we can see and touch, and we want one like all the other nations have. And God says, I am your king. I am your God. And they said, no, no, we want somebody we can see. And so uh, God gave them uh, a great king in Saul. And uh, I'm really being facetious there because Saul turned out to be really a guy who tried to make it look good for himself. He really wasn't a king that loved the people. He loved himself more. And uh, eventually... Uh, There was a guy named David that took over the kingdom of Israel. And he was called a man after God's own heart. Uh, But the reality is that towards uh, later on in his life, he got a little bit careless and ended up having an affair, ended up taking senses, different things that God asked him not to do. His family was in turmoil uh, and basically his life was broken apart. But that was even a God uh, that was even a guy that God says he's after my own heart. And then the nation was transferred into the, the authority of Solomon Uh, David's son, Solomon, and he had great wisdom and great wealth. And eventually he brought wives from all over and decided to start worshiping their gods and allowing some idolatry to come into the kingdom, which really messed things up even more. Um, And then after that, it split into the two tribes, the northern tribe, which I believe were 10 tribes, and then the southern tribe, which were two tribes. And at this time that Isaiah is speaking, basically the Assyrians had come to power. And they had great power and they were invading the northern kingdom. Basically, they were coming in and they were eventually going to take away the northern kingdom. And the southern kingdom uh, was worried. How are we going to protect ourselves? We have an enemy coming after us. How are we going to make sure that we're safe and secure? We're afraid that we're going to be wiped out. And so we're going to read about how they decided to deal with this. And God says to them, Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin. Who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who looked for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. But Pharaoh's protection will be to your shame and Egypt's shame Shade will bring you disgrace. Though they have officials in zone and their envoys have arrived in Hanes, everyone will be put to shame because of the peop- because of a people useless to them who bring neither help nor advantage, but only shame and disgrace. The amazing thing is these very people that God has taken away from Egypt. He has released them from slavery and they're worried. They're, in, they're afraid that they're going to be taken over by the Assyrians and they turn back to the very people who enslaved them. Which is a sin because in Deuteronomy, God specifically says, do not go back to Egypt. Don't trust in Egypt. Don't trust in Pharaoh. Don't trust in their horses. And instead of turning to God, who we just read about, his compassion and his mercy, 
they turn back to Egypt. And what we learn about Egypt at this time is the amazing thing is this is probably one of the uh, weakest uh, kingdoms or weakest. This is this Pharaoh at the time in Egypt was probably one of the weakest pharaohs. And the amazing thing is that instead of turning to the strongest God in the world, they turn to the weakest nation at this time, thinking they're going to get protection. Now, a question for you to write down on your little notepad is, when do you get afraid and when do you get fearful and when do you start worrying and when does the enemy, whatever that enemy is, whether it's spouses or work or children, whatever you think that is, when does that happen in your life? And how do you deal with that? Because we can hear about Judah and it's like, whoa, why are they making this huge mistake and not turning to the Lord? But the reality is that we deal with adversity, we deal with trials, and instead of turning to the one true, awesome, powerful God, we make alliances with other things. So just take a second and write down, what are some of your enemies? What are some of the things that bring fear and We're going to hopefully talk through that a little bit. And see, Judah was really looking towards Pharaoh for protection. But God says it will bring you shame. The very thing that they're looking for, they don't find. But what they find is disgrace. And this is an oracle in verse 6 that God says concerning the animals of the Negev. It says, Through a land of hardship and distress, of lions and lionesses, of adders and darting snakes, the envoy carries their riches on donkeys' backs, their treasures on humps of camels, to that unprofitable nation, to Egypt, whose help is utterly useless. Therefore, I call her Rahab, the do-nothing. This is a little oracle about what are these people actually doing, is that they're putting their treasures, their wealth their resources on the backs of these animals and they're traveling through an area full of lions, lionesses, adders, and darting snakes. The reality is that they're going through it. They're they're, they're making a way through a desolate area to try to work through their situation. Instead of turning to God, they turn to Egypt and to get there, they have to go through the desert and they have to be in a very Uh, difficult situation as they fight off lions and different things that they're going to face. And I kind of view this as it's like we take a square peg and try to fit it into into a round hole. As human beings, we say, you know what? I just want to make this work. We get that square peg and we think, you know what? I've got this issue. I've got this problem and I just want to make it work. And I've got this round hole and this square peg and I'm going to make this fit any way I can, even if I have to go through the difficult places. And we shove and we shove and we shove and we try to get our own way, do our own thing. And it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And basically, God calls the 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 kingdom of Egypt. He says, you are the Rahab, the do nothing. You are the, the dog that has the bark, but no bite. You're full of a lot of words, but you really can't do anything. And that's what they're returning to Rahab, the do nothing. And he tells Isaiah, he says, go in verse eight, go write on a tablet for the people. I want you to write this out on a tablet that they can pass around and read it. And secondly, I want you to inscribe on a scroll uh, that for the days to come, it may be an everlasting witness that these people, these people are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instructions. Again, as we read verses 18 through uh, 21, 
This is the very God that is waiting for these people. These rebellious people. These deceitful children. Unwilling to listen to the Lord's instructions. And Isaiah, I want you to write down what they say. In verse 10, they say to seers, see no more visions. And they say to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way. Get off this path and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. The very people that God says, I'm waiting for, longing for, return to me, turn to me. They're saying, you know what we want? We want pleasant things. We want illusions. We don't want to be told about this Holy One of Israel. We want you to stop talking about them. And I think we do that sometimes. Because sometimes we like to enter into things, enter into sin or different aspects of our life that, have, that God says stay away from. Don't go to Egypt. Don't do that. And we like to say, you know what? I just don't want to hear that. I like a life of illusion. I like a life of ease. I like a life that is just my way. Stop confronting me with the Holy One of Israel. And there's some of you here today that are being confronted with the Holy One of Israel. The Holy King. And he's the one that says, I'm waiting for you. I'm longing for you. And again, these are the people that God is talking to. I think, I think sometimes we just say, you know what? It's a waste of time. Those people. They're not turning to God. They're not listening. They're a waste of my time. You ever think like that? You ever think like I poured my life into this thing or I poured my life into people and they just don't seem to be listening and I just want to get rid of them? Sometimes we do that with our kids. But God says in verse 12, Therefore, this is what the Holy One of Israel says. Because you have rejected this message and you relied upon oppression and depended upon deceit, this sin will become for you like a high wall cracked and bulging that collapses suddenly in an instant. It will break into pieces like pottery, shattered so mercilessly that among its pieces not a fragment will be found for taking coals from a hearth or scooping water out of a cistern. It's like that tangled web that we weave, you know. When we don't choose to listen to the Lord and we choose to do things our own way, it's like a high wall that's over us and it's cracked and it's bulging and it's about ready to fall down on us. And when it falls, it breaks in an instant. It's not, we're not going to have time to sit there and say, oh, that, that wall looks like it's going to break. We might want to get away. It's going to be instantaneously and it's going to fall on us. It collapses so suddenly that it's like a piece of pottery that we take and we smash it on the ground that the pieces are all gone. It's like it's all dust. And there's not even a shard. There's not even a little piece to scoop up some coals from a hearth or from a fire to take to our home and to keep warm. There's not even a little bit that we can go to a cistern and we can get a little bit of water to, to feed our thirsty soul. Our lives will be so demolished that we'll be shattered. Because we've said... We reject the Holy One of Israel. But there's still hope. This is what the Sovereign Lord says in verse 15. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Now, this isn't a passive, oh, we're just not going to do anything. This is a very active, we are trusting in the name of 
of Yahweh. We're resting in the name of Yahweh, the one who brought us through the desert, the one who took us through the the Red Sea, the one who has established the kingdoms, the God of all the universe. We are going to live in repentance and we're going to live in rest for our salvation and quietness and trust. But God says you would have none of it. You said no. And sometimes we're like that. When God is trying to talk to us, trying to direct us, trying to speak to us, sometimes we say, you know what? No. I really don't want to hear it. This Holy One of Israel, I don't want to hear it anymore. You said, no, we will flee on horses. We won't turn to the Lord. We'll flee on horses. But God says, therefore, you will flee. You said we will ride off on swift horses. God says, therefore, your pursuers will be swift. You think you got things in control, but they're going to be after you. Verse 17, a thousand will flee at the threat of one. And at the threat of five, you will all flee away till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. The amazing thing about this this verse, it is a reversal of the promise of God. God says in back to his people in Deuteronomy, if you trust in me, if you look to me, if you repent and rest and quiet yourself and trust. Then thousands will flee by just the presence of one of you. And you know what? If there's five of you, those nations will run away. But God has reversed it because they've chosen to take matters into their own hands. And he says, now what will happen is that you'll see one of your enemies and thousands of you will flee. You'll see five of your enemies and all of you will flee. And it will be as though it's like a mountaintop and there's a flagpole there. And people get there and they say, well, it looks like there was a nation here. It looks like there was some people here, but there's nobody here anymore. Or there was a banner to declare the nation. And the people get to where this banner is planted and it's, well, there's a banner here, but where did everybody go? Well, there was five people that showed up and they were pretty scary. So we ran away. Seems pretty silly. But that's the fear that happens in our hearts when we turn to when we choose to turn away from God. Do you get the picture of these people that God is about to say who he is? And that's us as well. Sometimes we're stubborn. We carry out plans that are not God's. We try to make our own plans. And then we read in verse 18. Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Isn't that amazing? Even when we are turning the other way, God says, I long to be gracious to you. And therefore, he waits on high. To have compassion on you. For God or for the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those who long for him. You see that reversal that God longs to be gracious to us. And there's a blessing when we long for him. You see, in the midst of our adversity, in the midst of our fear, in the midst of when we see enemies, We can run to the alliances that we've made with other people, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, wherever you are. We can run away, but we can run to God and say, Lord, I long for you. I long for your justice. 
I long for you to be who you are and I'll rest in repentance and quietness and I'll trust in you. O people of Zion, inhabitants of Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of adversity and water of affliction, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left. And that is our God. That is our God who deals with people like you and I graciously, mercifully. And what happens is when we turn to Him, we get to verse 22. It says, Then you will defile your idols. The idols that you turn to to rescue you, you'll defile them. Instead of bringing idols in, you'll get rid of them. Your idols overlaid with silver and your images covered with gold. You will throw them away like a menstrual cloth and say to them, away. You'll get rid of it because you'll realize how wrong it is to keep it in your presence. And the beauty of Isaiah chapter 30 is that later on God says, you know what? When you turn to me and you listen to my plan and you follow me, you know what's going to happen? Assyria will be overthrown. You don't have to go to Egypt. I'm already going to do it. I'm going to overthrow the Assyrians. Now think how crazy this is at the time of Isaiah because nobody knew anybody anybody more powerful than the Assyrians. Yet God was going to be using the Babylonians to come and take over and to take over the Assyrians and eventually restore, kind of restore the kingdom as you read on through the prophets and the minor prophets. But the question is to us, really, is where are you in your relationship with God? Are you trying to force that square peg in a round hole? You try to make things work your way? Or are you turning to the Lord and saying, okay, what is your plan? And the reality is that when Jesus, the Messiah, walked the earth, he continually prayed and asked the Lord for his plan. Over and over again, there was people that were coming up to Jesus saying, Jesus, do this. Jesus, do that. We think you need to move so that your kingdom is established. And Jesus would say, my time has not yet come. And I believe he was resting in the plan of the Father. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is praying, he says, you know what? This cup, for me to go to the cross, I'd rather not do it. I would really, if there's another way, I don't... Personally, I wouldn't want to hang on a cross, but if there's another way, God, that you can deal with your people, I like that. But he says, you know what? Your will be done. Your will be done. And the question is, what's your square peg? Are you trying to make it fit for you? Because he longs to be gracious to you. He longs to be merciful to you. He longs to enter into that relationship with you through the power and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we can worship you. Thank you that we're not afraid right now of people attacking us. But we know, Lord, that your plans are more, uh, they're higher than our thoughts. We, We don't know what your plans are for this nation. We don't know what your plans are for our lives. We don't know what your plans are, but we can trust in your character. We can trust in your will and in your way. 
Father, we know that there's people in this room that are saying no to you, and we ask that you would turn that no into a yes. Father, there's people in this room that are uh, that have said yes to you, but they've wandered away. We ask that you would draw them back to your presence. And thank you that you are gracious and merciful, and we fall upon that in your character. In Jesus' name, amen.